Today I want to talk to you about overcoming the spirit of religion. Overcoming the spirit of religion. There are many demonic spirits in the Bible and we don't preach on them so you'll be scared of the devil. You have the victory over the devil through the blood of Jesus Christ. We teach you about these demonic strongholds so you'll be aware of the enemy's strategy and know how to take the fight to the enemy. But one of the sneakiest hidden demonic spirits that exist is the spirit of religion. The spirit of religion leads to atheism. It promotes racism. It's about ritualism and eventually ends up legalism. Legalism is when you are worshiping a list of rules more than you are Jesus Christ. Ritualism is when you do things in a religious nature or in a religious manner, not because the Bible says to do them, simply because it's the way you've always done them. And many times people who go off to seminary, which I've been to, and people who gain the degrees, they actually end up leaving with all of these degrees, but they actually end up leaving with less faith than they had when they got there. Because they've fallen so in love with the scriptures and doctrines and theology that they lose the faith that brought them there. And I don't want that to happen to those of you listening to this message today. I want you to fall in love with Jesus Christ and his kingdom. And whether you admit it or not, we all battle the spirit of religion. We all battle the way we were raised, the denomination we were brought up in. We all battle our little prejudices and preferences. We all have a certain way we like church, a certain way we think this should be and that should be. We all have it. Even me being a Grace Kingdom guy, there are times when I struggle with judging, when I struggle with the spirit of religion. I'll give you an example. My wife and I went uh, to celebrate our anniversary in another country at an all-inclusive. And there were two men in Speedos with a matching sewn little robe thing, and they it matched. Um, one was Ben and what was the other? Big G? Okay, big, big G and Big Ben, okay. And immediately when they got in the pool with us, along with the, the trans person with red hair that was in there, I began just being from East Tennessee, becoming very uncomfortable. Now, those people didn't do anything to me. God loves them. He died for them. I know that upsets you, but he died for your sins. And, and, and I began to feel that religious spirit rise up, and I had to rebuke it within myself. By the end of the week, Kelly likes to make friends. I don't when we travel, by the way. She's very friendly with everybody. And so by the end of the week, we left as friends with many people who are different from us politically. And, and, and we were able to share our ideas and our differences without hating each other. And there's something going on in America where we feel like if we disagree with someone, we have to hate them. That's not what the Bible teaches us to do. In fact, the only time Jesus got hot under the collar, he got upset, was when dealing with religious people. And on more than one occasion, Jesus had to address the spirit of religion. It is a demonic spirit. It is a spirit of control. It's worse than the spirit of Jezebel. And I believe it's the hardest thing to defeat. It's harder than addiction to defeat because many of us don't want to admit that we are religious. I believe with all of my heart we've been plagued by this in this century. 
This spirit seeks to divide, destroy, diminish, and devalue the grace message. A religious spirit is a demon. Everybody say demon. It wages war on the grace of God in our lives as well as the freedom that comes from salvation through Jesus Christ. It becomes something that divides us instead of brings us together. It's in scripture time and time again. Throughout the gospels, Jesus is confronting Pharisees and Sadducees. This demonic spirit of religion manifests primarily in two different ways. The first one is inadequacy or inferiority. Let me say that again. It manifests first through inferiority or inadequacy. People put on the garment of religion because they feel inferior. So they will use religion or their denomination or the way they dress or their code of conduct in order to feel better about themselves. And so by putting on that robe of religion, they end up judging others so they can feel superior in nature to that sinner who's really no different than they are. The next way it manifests is through self-righteousness or spiritual superiority. The Bible says that our righteousness is that of filthy rags. So on your best day, on your best day, you fall short of the grace and the glory of God. You are not worthy without the blood of Jesus. And he didn't just die for you, he died for all of humanity. And religion has always been used to abuse, destroy, and diminish other people. And that is not what Jesus did. That is what the people that crucified him did. And you have to understand the difference. If you're going to be able to reach people, love people, or serve people in 2022, 23, 24, you have to understand how you can take off that robe of religion and put on the robe of righteousness in Jesus Christ. Churches that have been overcome by this spirit of religion are dying, they're closing, the denominations are going down the tubes. Only the independent churches that are about the grace of God are thriving in this season. So let me define this a little further for you. What is a spirit of religion? The first thing that we know from the scriptures about this demonic spirit is first and foremost, it's an angry spirit. Everybody say angry spirit. You ever seen somebody that's supposed to be saved and wonder, what you so mad about? Like I thought you had the joy of the salvation of Jesus Christ inside of you. What you so mad about? Mad all the time about something. Mad all the time about something. Why? No wonder you ain't led nobody to Jesus. Ain't nobody wants to act like you. Nobody wants what you got. The town of Samaria got word to the disciples, James and John, that Jesus was not welcome in this town. They didn't want him there. And James and John, if you remember the text, they wanted God to send fire down like Elijah and burn the whole town up and kill the people, incinerate them. Remember? Let's just burn them up. Let's just kill them all, Jesus. Here's what Jesus said. You do not know what manner of spirit you are from. 
Let's focus on that just for a second. You do not know what manner of spirit, so there's a demonic spirit you're from. So whenever in the name of religion you want to hurt somebody or kill somebody or get somebody told it's different from you, you are operating not under the Holy Spirit but under the demonic spirit of religion. It's an angry spirit. Jesus goes on to say in Luke 9, 56, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives but to save them. Not to destroy men's lives, but to save them. It's an angry spirit. Number two, it's an arrogant spirit. I can spot a religious spirit eight miles away. They have a tone. They have a look. And I can spot it because I was raised in it. It's an arrogant spirit. This is what it says in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. It says to some who are confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. Check this out. How many of you have ever prayed a prayer like this? I hope nobody at Abbott's house. He says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Lord, I thank you I'm not like them. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers. Even this tax collector, God, I'm just glad I'm not like them. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. See, people with a religious spirit, they tithe. They go to church. We'll get into that in a minute. They even go to temple and celebrate the feast. They, They do the religious things right. But the tax collector stood at a distance He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his chest and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I will tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So it's an angry spirit. It's an arrogant spirit. Do y'all understand what Jesus just said there? Can you even wrap your mind around it? This man that tithes, that goes to church, that knows the scriptures is not going to heaven, but the thief is. The thief is. The thief is going to heaven. The religious person is not. Because the thief has enough knowledge and humility to at least know he's a mess and a religious person doesn't. Number three, it's an agenda-driven spirit. In Mark chapter three, Jesus heals. He did this all the time to aggravate the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but he heals a man with a withered hand. You know the story, I've preached it. Stretch forth your hand and the man does and his hand comes back to life. It's a powerful text. But this one verse in that text, it says, the Pharisees, they watched Jesus closely as to where he might heal on the Sabbath. They watched him closely. See, we've had a lot of watchers over the years at Abba's house. We've had a lot of watchers that want to watch and see what we do and talk about what we do, exaggerate what we do. You know, we've had those over the years. We've even had people who left the church. We had one person one time, they were on staff and their kid made a Facebook page bashing us. 
and I knew the dirt on them. So I wasn't sanctified yet. I called him and I said, take this Facebook page down or I'm going to let everybody know about your family stuff. Because here's the situation. You have these watchers and these manipulators, these people with an agenda. And I've been telling our staff this for years. If you don't love this church, you don't deserve to get a paycheck from it. But some people don't get the message. Why should I take God's people's money, people who tithe and love this place, and employ people who don't love it, who talk bad about it? This spirit of religion is an agenda-driven spirit. It has a motive, and the motive is to catch people in a sin or to, to speak critically of God's people. It's an agenda-driven spirit. Number four, it's an argumentative spirit. It's an argumentative spirit. You know, religious people always want to argue. I'm not wasting my time arguing doctrine with you when there's people lost that need Jesus. I don't have time to fool with you. I don't want to sit two hours and debate scripture with you. Your mind's made up. Send me to a sinner. Send me to someone broken, busted, disgusted, in pain, who needs a miracle from God, who will actually rejoice in their salvation. I don't have time to fool with you religious people. Y'all ain't reaching anybody. This is what it says in Mark 8, beginning with verse 11. Jesus has just fed 4,000 people. It's miraculous. And this is what it says. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, asking him for a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit. Can you imagine Jesus? Oh, here we go again. You know. Why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, and getting into the boat again, he went across to the other side. Now this, verse 14, now the disciples had forgotten to bring bread, and they only had one loaf with them in the boat. Now they've just fed five or 4,000 miraculously, and the knuckleheads forgot to bring some of it for the trip. And he cautioned them saying, watch out. Now he's trying to teach them something spiritual here, but they're too earthly minded to receive it. He said, watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast of Herod. They said to one another, it is because we have no bread. Like in other words, you mad at us because we forgot the bread? No. And becoming aware of it, Jesus said to them, what are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Many people with this spirit of religion, they have a hard heart. They are, have a cold heart. They don't remember what it was like to be lost. They don't remember what it was like to be addicted. They don't remember what it was like to be abused. They don't remember what it was like to be in the gutter. They don't remember what it was like to be ashamed. It's like they've achieved some pinnacle of Christendom that doesn't exist. And these people are hard-hearted towards the things of the Spirit of God and they need to repent. It's an argumentative spirit. Number five, it's accusatory spirit. It's an accusatory spirit. It's just like the devil, it says in Revelation that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. These religious people, they always wanna accuse somebody. And they don't understand they're the mouthpiece of the devil, not Jesus. They're always trying to accuse someone. Let me tell you something. The only person that has the right to convict you is the Holy Spirit. Through his word or the word of the prophet or the preacher. That's the only spirit that should convict you. And that spirit will bring conviction for repentance, not accuse you to go into depression and defeat. Don't shout me down while I'm preaching good. 
First Kings 17, verse 4, prophet Elijah has just seen a drought come that he prayed to come, and then he's going to see rain come, and he's going to see fire, and he's seeing all these things as the prophet of God being faithful. And it's interesting in this particular text, it says, and you shall drink from the brook, because he was hungry, and I have commanded the ravens or the buzzards to feed you there. See, Elijah the prophet had a choice in this moment. Let God do a new thing or cling to my religion. Because you see, in that culture, ravens were dirty birds. You weren't supposed to eat after them, be near them. But God was doing a new thing. Is anybody with me? See, a religious person doesn't want God to ever do a new thing. They just want to celebrate what God did back when. Way back over there. Remember what God used to do? It wasn't that good. God's doing something new. And if you're alive, you need to be a part of it. God is into the new thing. God chose ravens to deliver his goodness. God chose something dirty to deliver his grace. Unclean, against the laws of religion, to pour out his blessing and provision. Elijah decided to trust God. That's why you say, oh, you know, you, you and your dad have all kinds of different preachers in here. You better believe I do. I'm not going to just have a bunch of middle-aged white Baptists come preach to you. I want you to hear some Pentecostal voices, some Hispanic voices, some black voices, some Methodist voices, some Baptist voices. I don't, the kingdom's bigger than your box, my friend. And even if you say, well, that pastor went bad, it don't matter. The buzzards were dirty too. God still used them. Even if the pastor goes bad, the anointing and message that came forth from his lips is still good. And you got to understand how to receive when God wants you to receive. God looks at his number one prophet and says, look, Elijah, it's not gonna be like this forever. I'm doing a new thing. If Elijah would have chose religion over the new thing, he would have died, starved to death. Because God said, my provision is right here. I'm not providing for you unless you obey me. See, sometimes we miss God's favor and his blessing because we choose not to move forward in the kingdom. We choose not to obey the voice of God. I believe God's calling us today higher. In the Bible, the Sadducees were the religious sect that I call those that had compromised convictions. They were aristocrats. They were wealthy and had powerful positions. But the Pharisees, see, we talk about Pharisees now like it was an insult, but in that day, they were held to high esteem. Middle-class businessmen, they, they held the most seats in the majority of the Senate. These people had the influence. Everybody say influence. They were known for their religious behavior and rules, but they made Jesus furious because they were hypocrites. They did not live by the rules they enforced on other people. They were known for outward righteousness. In other words, their tassels, their dress, they wanted everybody to know how spiritual they are. Now, there's nothing wrong with the way people dress. If you want to wear a suit, get down with that. You want to wear jeans, shorts, I do not care. I wear jeans sometimes. A lot of it just depends on what's in the dry cleaning for me. They're like, Pastor, I wish you'd wear a suit. Well, it's in the dry cleaning. You know? I mean, I, I don't really care. I, I like to wear all kinds of stuff. You might catch me in an Under Armour t-shirt or a suit. I like it all. 
God does not care what you wear. It's outward righteousness. These Pharisees didn't mingle with sinners. In fact, they thought just being around a sinner was a sin. They were wrong. They had uh, held a large amount of glory based on the famous people they hung around. In other words, who they could get their selfie with, even though there wasn't selfies back then. They, they really cared who they could be seen with in the community that brought them honor. So we have to make sure we don't get caught up in that. Yes, they were angry. Yes, they were argumentative. Yes, they were accusatory. But they also, they, they loved position. Beware of anybody that always wants a position. Anybody that wants a position or that has to have a title. I want to be the director of blah, 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 or I need this title, or I need that title. Listen, you're nothing. The title doesn't make you. The anointing does. It doesn't. You don't need the title to know who you are in Christ. You don't. They were accusers and they were hypocrites. I'm going to land this. There's just two points today, so don't get nervous. But I've spent some time defining this spirit because I want you to repent if you've got some of this. And I've shared with you some of my own stuff because I want you to know we all battle with this. Preferences, prejudice, looking down our nose at people. And if we're going to see revival, we can't have that kind of spirit in this house or in our house. I'm not saying throw aside morality. I'm not saying throw aside the truths of God's word. But I am saying the only way to attain it is through the power and the filling of the Holy Spirit, not your own works, and your righteousness is that of filthy rags. You have to put on God's robe of righteousness. That's the only way you'll be able to achieve what you're trying to achieve, not in your own strength. I love the contemporary English version of this. Matthew chapter 23, check this out. Y'all that think Jesus is so sweet, never said nothing mean, all that. We're about to mess with y'all. Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are experts in the law of Moses. So obey everything they teach you doctrinally, but don't do as they do. After all, they say one thing and do something else. Verse four, they pile heavy burdens on people's shoulders and won't lift a finger to help them. Everything they do is just to show off in front of others. They even make a big show of wearing scripture verses on their foreheads and arms, and they wear big tassels for everyone to see. They love the best seats at the banquets and the front seats in the meeting places. And when they are in the market, they like to have people greet them as their teachers and call them by their titles. But none of you should be called a teacher. You have only one teacher, and all of you are like brothers and sisters. Then it goes on to talk about how they tithe in verse 23. And then it says in verse 24, these are important things you should have done, though you should not have left the others undone either. You blind leaders, you strain out a small fly, but swallow a camel. It says you are like whitewashed tombs in the original. It says you are hypocrites, rotten on the inside, nothing but snakes. Sweet old Jesus. <laughs> Only time he talked like that was religious people. Do you not understand what I'm begging you to hear? Only time our Savior got upset was with snobby religious people. So you don't want to be that. 
Even the tax collector that admitted he was a sinner got to heaven. You know what God's looking for? He's looking for some people to get real. Say, I don't have it figured out. I still fall short. Jesus, forgive me. I need your mercy. He's not looking for your arrogance or your know-it-all attitude. He's looking for some humility and some Holy Ghost-filled people that say, I'm going to reach down into the pit and pick people out of it. I'm going to love them, as David said when he fell into sin. Lord, if you forgive me, I'll teach transgressors and sinners your ways. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Psalm 51. David understood that repentance was about right relationship, not some prayer and not some religious activity. It was about getting the Holy Spirit back in him. And friend, if all you have is religion and you don't have a fresh filling of the Holy Ghost, you are missing out. Because the only way you'll ever obtain any kind of righteousness is through the perfect one, the Holy Spirit moving and operating through you, not your own strength. I mean it. You need the Holy Spirit. The religious spirit seeks disunity above all. The religious spirit teaches us to hide our sins rather than confess our sins. The religious spirit causes us to focus on the faults of others instead of the Father. The religious spirit twists the scriptures to keep people so bound up with doctrine that they can't achieve true freedom in Christ. The religious spirit chooses to ignore rather than to restore. The religious spirit longs to control those who are weak in the faith. Listen, religion will always kill what it can't control. The religious spirit would rather debate than emancipate. The religious spirit is demonic and it exists in this region. We are the most church city in America. Fighting and backbiting and I don't believe this and I believe that and you're wrong about this and you're wrong about that. Well, good for you, buddy. You know everything. Got 10 members and every one of them's fighting. You know, it's that know-it-all attitude that keeps us from the kingdom. The religious spirit promotes religious people, but the spirit of God promotes shepherds, boys in the backsides of nowhere that come from bad home lives that people don't know that have, don't have a pedigree. The Holy Ghost will promote anybody that will submit to the king. The religious spirit binds us from our own imperfections while simultaneously revealing the faults of others. The religious spirit refuses to celebrate the favor on an unlikely recipient. Be careful who claps when you do good. Be careful to pay attention to who celebrates when something good happens in your life. Look around, see who's clapping, who's not. It's important. People won't celebrate God's favor on you. That means they're a hindrance to you and where you're supposed to go. As I said, it's emotionalism, legalism, which is all about the rules. It leads to racism, which is the biggest stain on our country. Elitism, intellectualism, all these isms, denominationalisms, there is no Baptist section in heaven, fundamentalist section, Pentecostal section, Methodist section, Catholic section in the new heaven and the new earth. We are all one, those of us that know the name above every name, Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. So how do we get rid of this demonic spirit? Two things and we're done. 
First, we must embrace the Father's mission. What is the Father's mission? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. That is the Father's mission. Everybody say the Father's mission. It's about humility. It's about grace. It's about service to other people who are less fortunate than we are. Read Matthew 25. Be an agent of grace. Yeah, sometimes people need the truth of the law. Truth comes from your mouth, but grace comes from your heart. Give them truth with your mouth, but allow your heart to lead you in grace. So you can restore people, pick them up, and show them the way. People that expect you to hate them, love them. Can I get an amen? amen. People that expect you to hate them, love them. Because in him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins for it is by what? Grace. We have been saved. Unmerited, undeserved favor. You can't earn this, friend. Embrace the Father's mission. Everybody say that with me. Embrace the Father's mission. Be a disciple maker, an agent of grace. Number two, embrace the Father's mandate. Mandate. What is the Father's mandate? It's for us to liberate people. Isaiah 61. That is the first passage of Scripture Jesus read in the synagogue. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has called me to preach the good news to the poor, to set at liberty the captives, to heal the brokenhearted, and open up the prisons to those who are bound. That is the mandate from the Father. John 3.17 confirms it when he says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it, but that through the world, through him, he might be saved. So how do you do it? Be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You need to be endued with power from on high according to the book of Acts. You need that experience. It wasn't for yesterday. It's for today. And without it, you can't have the kingdom. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You need to be an agent of unity and restoration and grace. I challenge you, as it says in Hebrews 13, to allow the Holy Spirit, because if you don't get filled with the Holy Ghost, the rest of this stuff is not going to work for you. But become a person of compassion. Everybody say compassion. It says in Hebrews 13, let brotherly love continue. Be compassionate. You don't know what that person's been through. You don't know what hell they fought. You don't know how they were raised. Be a person of compassion. Be a person of charity. Go above and beyond, not just with your mouth but with your pocketbook to help people. Y'all do a great job at that Abba's house. Be a person of covenant, which we preached on last week. Listen, as a Christian, be a person that's committed to being faithful to what you're called to be faithful to. Amen? You can go ahead and start playing, Josh. A person of covenant, a person of charity, a person of compassion. I'm challenging you today, friend. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be an agent of grace. Become a person of compassion, person of commitment, person of charity, a person of covenant, a person that when they say, listen, I'm going to do this. 
I'm going to be married. I'm going to join this church. I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm going to deny myself, pick up my cross, and follow him. Become a person of covenant. So your yes means yes. Somebody say yes. Y'all wake up. I know your blood sugar is low. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And with the Holy Spirit moving in your life, you're going to become a person of consecration and prayer. Listen, instead of judging, thinking you got to fix everybody, won't you get in that secret place of the most high and start praying in the spirit for them? Try to move heaven on their behalf. Try to be a person that prays. Stand on your feet. Listen, I, I bind that demonic spirit of religion right now in the name of Jesus. I bind it out of this house. Yesterday, today, and forever. By the blood of Jesus, you demonic spirit, you must leave. This is a grace place. And you're not welcome in this place. But before I invite people to come, make Jesus Lord of their life. Listen, if, if listen, y'all ought to raise your hand, but some of you, you ain't going to get it today, but I hope you do. But if you've ever had this spirit or you wrestled with it, just lift your hand up. Because I know if I do an altar call, y'all come down here if you're being honest. Let me just pray over you. May I? But before I do, I, I want you just to make this confession to God in your heart or out loud. Just say, Lord, remove any leaven from me. Remove any leaven from me. Lord, get rid of anything that's religious from my life and replace it only with that which is real. Remove anything religious in my life and replace it only with that which is real and of your kingdom. Hallelujah. There's already freedom breaking out in this house right now. Holy Spirit, you've heard their confession. You've heard them repent. May your power and your spirit fall on this place. Give them your gifts. Give them your glory. Give them greatness in your kingdom. May they look at their family different. Look at the community different. Look at people who are in the struggle different. After today. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to have my pastors come. Now, some of you, you maybe couldn't have prayed a prayer like that because you don't even know who God is. Let me tell you, he's a loving God. He's a God of grace. He died for your sins on the cross of Calvary, got up out of the grave, and the third day left us with the Holy Spirit. And if you need Jesus in your life today and you want to make him king of your heart, you've got to be a person of covenant. It starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Y'all help me. Dear Lord Jesus, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Please come into my heart and save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God a shout of victory in the house today. So if you prayed that prayer, the Bible says you have to make a public decision. It says if you will not confess me in front of your peers, men, I will not confess you in front of my father. So that's why we have these altar calls. You can say I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You need to come down here. Now, maybe you're already saved, but you've wandered off. You just need to come back to the Lord. Tell these pastors, maybe you're a faithful Christian, but you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I'm about to mess with y'all good now. You ask these folks to pray with you that you'll have that gift. And whether it's right here at this altar, in your home, in your prayer closet, listen, God's going to give you the gift. He's a good father. But they'll come into agreement for you. So whatever your need is, maybe you want to come in covenant with the church. You're tired of religion. You want to join a house of grace. We'd love to have you, and I'd love to meet you. Whatever the Spirit says to do, 
in these next few minutes, you come. You come and listen to the Lord.